Hello and welcome to the latest podcast in our CSRD Demystified series. Today we're going to be discussing value chain and what that means in terms of CSRD sustainability reporting. I'm Rachel Barrett, uh, I lead the ESG practice at Linklaters and I'm here today with Tom. Yeah, my name is uh, Tom Kobart. I'm a managing associate in the Brussels office of Linklaters. Uh, and I focus on debt capital market transactions and ESG reporting obligations. So as everyone will be aware by now, um, the CSRD requires reporting on the value chain. Now that's something that's going to be new to many people and it can seem quite intimidating at first. What is a value chain? How do you get the information? Um, how do you actually do this in practical terms before you even get to the point where you have to work out what actually makes it into your final report? So question for you, Tom. How does an organization work out what its value chain actually is? Yeah, thank you, Rachel. So important to note is that the concept of value chain is not defined in a prescriptive way. In short, there is essentially a need to identify the material impacts, risks and opportunities which are connected to an organization through its direct and indirect business relationships in the upstream and or the downstream value chain. So important points to note in this respect are that it relates both to upstream and downstream, and that there is no express limit on the length of the value chain, which must be considered. So a reporting organization is, um, however, not required to obtain information about each and every entity in the value chain. There should be a focus on areas where impacts are deemed likely to arise based on risk factors such as the nature of activities, business relationships, and geographies. And undertakings can, can be guided by the overarching purpose of sustainability reporting, which is to allow users to understand the undertaking's material impacts, risks, and opportunities. And undertakings should in this respect also ensure that the required qualitative characteristics of information disclosed are met. And this relates to relevance, spatial representation, to comparability, verifiability, and understandability. And so in, in, in short, it means that for most organizations, it means that there will be a mapping exercise to be done to decide where the focus needs to be put and once an organization has been able to do this the question will then of course be um, how are you going to get the relevant data and practice and what if you can't well that's a good question i think how you actually do this in practice um is really quite quite tricky now let's think first about what the what the rules actually say now we have um, draft disclosure standards out there that are due to be finalized shortly and they do recognize that an organization's ability to collect the necessary information um, might vary in this context depending on a range of factors so for example uh, whether you have a direct contractual arrangement with someone in your value chain um, the level of control you have in that relationship uh, the buying power that you might have all sorts of factors like that might come into play and of 
of course, for, for many entities in the value chain, there won't be a contractual relationship. Um, you may not know who they are at first before you've done your mapping exercise. So, so there's quite a lot of thought that's going to need to go into um, the tools that people have available to get the information that they need or, or the tools they don't have and how they're going to fill those gaps. You have to use reasonable efforts to collect the information. And interestingly, the, the, the standards do point out that that means you do have to use or try and increase your leverage over value chain actors to be able to do that. You are allowed to use sector average data or other proxy data, but only so long as it doesn't result in reporting, which doesn't meet those required qualitative characteristics that you mentioned earlier, so relevance, faithful representation, comparability, verifiability and understandability. So in other words, you can use proxy or average data where you need to, um, but only if it, it really works in the context of your reporting and it provides sort of fair disclosures. So what that really means is for lots of people, there'll probably be a, a, a layer of their value chain. So that, that tier one, as we like to call it, um, where things might be a little bit more straightforward. You've got direct contractual relationships, usually usually with others. Um, you may already have the right to obtain certain information pursuant to contracts. You might be able to insert new provisions in your contracts if you choose to go down that, that road. Um, and you'd have much more ability to engage with, with, with those suppliers and, and major customers. Um, but once you go beyond that, it becomes more challenging. And we're starting to see think, uh, people think about softer tools um, like engagement and capacity building, uh, about engaging with their uh, primary suppliers and customers and asking them uh, what they feel they can cascade down change and what data they're getting from, from other people to just really work out the lay of the land. I don't think anyone's cracked it yet um, in terms of exactly how you do it, and it will be different for every organization um, but I think the key message is a it's complicated b it's not all about contract terms and c we're all going to have to get a bit creative but over time it should get better now of course I'm making that sound very easy um, it really isn't uh, particularly given the, the complex nature of value chains today uh, given how globalized we are as a society um, Tom are there any accommodations or safe harbors that businesses can rely on if they're struggling with it so there's indeed a, a helpful safe harbor which organizations may use. So for the first three years of reporting, only the data points which are listed in ESRS 2 Appendix C must be disclosed. And the reasoning for that is that those are the data points that are needed by institutional investors which are subject to the SFRD and which will allow them to make the necessary disclosures. And during this period, organizations can limit themselves to in-house and publicly available information. Organizations will, however, need to explain the efforts that they have made to obtain other information, explain why it has not been obtained, and also explain how the organization plans to obtain the information in the future. After that three-year period, the reporting requirements will apply in full in relation to the value chains. Now, another important point to note is that a new disclosure standard for SMEs with listed securities on a regulated market is expected to have been developed by that point, and organizations will not be expected to obtain information from SMEs in their value chain, which exceeds that, the content of that standard. Excellent. Thank you very much for explaining those. That's it for today. There's a lot more we could talk about on this subject. So do check in for future podcasts and useful materials that we published. Um, otherwise, thank you for listening and see you on the next one. Mm -hmm.